Today on the Topping Show, Lizzo is dropped from the Super Bowl, McDonald's silently removes ESG from their website, Skittles introduce a trans candy wrapper, Mark Zuckerberg is walking away from the Elon fight, Disney Plus is examining password cracking, Senator Dianne Feinstein's daughter has her power of attorney, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signs the Save Women's Sports Act, Twitter X will soon have video calls, Amazon warns people that they should come back to the office if they still want to keep their jobs, U.S. Steel rebuffs a $7.3 billion takeover, Silicon Valley is researching more technology, this time in the eye scanning segment. And pressure cookers, well, many of them have been recalled. All that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. God, he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner and you need assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Twitter X will soon have video call. Well, I guess now they rebrand it, so it's not Twitter anymore. It's just X, which well, we'll see how that goes in terms of marketing. Now, this is according to the current CEO, Linda Macarena. I mean, uh, Yakarino, although she perhaps is quite good at the Macarena. She's very good at distracting because, you know, she has to appease Elon and the advertisers and the users. And that's kind of at odds at each other. That's the big long-term threat that's going to be what's more important, advertising dollars or free speech. The outlook is not so good on that. But I digress. In terms of the new technology trying to integrate into it, it looks like they'll support full video calls as well as audio calling features. Now, Yakarino has confirmed that you will not need to have a phone number in order to make video calls. Yet another interesting testing development is the X app, is Elon's goal for his life, is to have the one app to rule them all, the one app to find them, and then the darkness bind them. Wait, Lord of the Rings, maybe. But I digress. This is a fascinating piece of technology. If they could actually get it so you could do dial phone calls without having a phone number, that'd be, that'd be even more revolutionary. It'll be interesting to see, is Elon wanting to disrupt the whole telecom industry? Because that'd be huge in and of itself. You think of how much... Think of how dependent people are on video technology. Perhaps it even adds, maybe increase the cost of Twitter Blue or now X Blue. If they increase the cost of one dollars a month, but you have a full-blown conferencing abilities, like maybe they could disrupt Zoom or Microsoft Teams. That's a whole industry in and of itself is the collaboration technologies where business to business is working with each other. And then the video technology, there's, it'll be interesting to see Will we? And there's been rumors for a while. Will there be a Twitter phone or now an X phone? Will he come out with a physical device so that he's no longer burdened to the app stores? Because that's the biggest one of the biggest threats to Elon right now is if he doesn't do certain things, he will be banned by Apple as well as Google, Android, because you have an Android operating system, which is the majority of things. Think of smart uh, Samsung smartphones, and that's pretty much it in terms of the market share. It's you know Apple and Samsung. In North America, you, I mean, there's still three people using Blackberries, and they're awesome, but yeah, dwindling in numbers. But that's the point of contention when it comes to developing apps and having all these services. There's kind of a big gatekeepers, as Google and Apple have a majority of market share. And if you can't put it in their app store, it's pretty prohibitive to get to that because no one wants to actually go to a website. Like, you know, that's old school. You have to have the app. You have to have the app. So let me know in the comments. Do you think Elon will actually come out with a physical device and his own marketplace? That would be fascinating because that would that freed up the company. But as I always say, time shall tell. 
Other interesting business news, you have Amazon warning employees to come back to the office. Now, this is thanks to a internal email that was late, and it looks like some U.S. employees actually got a warning from Amazon saying that they did not spend enough time in their office after they're using some attendance tracking software. And ironically enough, you're seeing this some other tech companies, most hilariously is Zoom, who pretty much was the biggest, most popular company for enabling businesses to work outside of the office. And yet you're already seeing the memes on the Facebook and all the other social media websites where they actually have the Zoom headquarters and you see their logo and everyone's like, pretty much most of the responses are, LOL, looks like they have to go back to the office, but their users don't. So it'll be interesting to see how much talent do they lose as more and more companies are trying to push people back in the office, but the cat is out of the bag, as some might say, where a lot of employees really enjoy that freedom, a little less traffic time. I mean, there are some people who spend hundreds of dollars on gasoline and tolls a week just to go to a building and do the same things conceivably that they can do at their desk at home. Granted, it's different if you're doing something like assembling rockets or some physical hardware for a living, or that's what the business does, but there are a lot of roles where you have to have a pretty compelling reason, and for some of them, it's just it's hard to come up with a compelling reason of why, for example, an inside sales role needs to go to the office. Well, if you're inside sales, you're making phone calls, you're on LinkedIn, you're sending emails. I mean, why does it matter where you are? And the really, really answer is doesn't. Unless you really value a physical location where you have a, a mentor in the office, you could actually shadow you or in instance in sales and most business acumen tech where you actually have them sitting next to you and they watch you how you do your job, they critique how your phone calls are going, but even that, you could also just set up a webcam. It's obviously not the same, but it'll be interesting to see. Would you quit your job if you had to go to the office again? Because I can't help but suspect some of these Amazon employees are going to do just that, but we shall see. Other interesting business news, you have U.S. Steel looking at options, quote-unquote, after rejecting a $7.3 billion offer which, that's astronomical in this economy with all uncertainty, 40-year hyperinflation, they turned down all that sweet cash. Now, it was a mixture between cash and stock in terms of the offer, but nevertheless, you know, as a wise man once say, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. So it was interesting to see that they actually rebuffed this offer. Now, specifically, it looks like, like this offer is coming from a company by the name of Cleveland Hills, Inc., which is another giant steelmaker headquartered in the United States, and looks like it was a mixture of cash and stock offer from the Ohio-based Cliffs Values company at $7.3 billion, which is a pretty, depending on who you ask, a pretty good deal because it's 40, literally 43% premium over the current stock value of U.S. Steel. So that's a pretty darn good premium. And it looks like this is, you know, this is actually not publicly known, but Cliffs actually went public with this offer after U.S. Steel rejected the bid as being, quote, unreasonable, unquote. And instead of announcing a formal review process, saying the company received multiple bids for parts of all the business. So it'll be interesting to see, maybe they didn't want to be part of a conglomerate. Now it looks like Cliffs, they've been pretty heavy in the acquisitions, especially given the industry trends for steel. And they bought AK Steel Holdings in 2020. And then it looks like they're acquiring the US business, US business of steelmaker uh, Arkeltor Mittal the same year. So they've done quite a lot of acquisitions. And with steel in particular, it's one of those industries where there is a huge competition in China because depending on you ask, similar to IT technology with servers, people see it as a commodity. Now engineers will you know, argue to the red in the face saying that you know, 
different servers have different speeds and fees, different firmware embedded into the silicon. And same with steel, you could also argue the properties of steel, which one is which one is stronger, depending on where it's made, what's the raw materials coming from, what's the end product. But it's hard to change that perception of it being a commodity. And that's why being a sales rep, well, selling servers, I don't know anyone who's still doing that for a living these days in terms of computer servers, but that's why it could be a little bit different from steel. So you've seen a lot of consolidation and China's growing exponentially with their steel production. Now, it looks like, I believe, uh, a couple of years back, Trump kind of rebuffed or helped the U.S. industry in terms of aluminum, or as the Brits would say, aluminium, just because they want to sound fancy, which it does sound a little fancy to say that. But they did, I think it was a 25% tariff on both aluminum and steel that was imported from China, in part to try to protect U.S. entities, which, depending on your depending on how your economic beliefs and the free market, is a good or bad thing, depending on your beliefs. But it did have an effect on the industries in the United States, and I believe those are lifted by now, so we be interested to see maybe U.S. Steel just sees a lot more upside. I mean, we've all heard the stories where, you know, I believe it was Microsoft offered to buy Yahoo for 43 or $47 billion at one point. And at the end of the day, they sold to Verizon for like $4 billion. And that now Yahoo's been bought and sold more times than I keep track of, frankly. But you also have those other instances where they offered to buy a company and that company turns out to be Google. So you got instances on both sides of the aisle where it's the biggest mistake or the biggest opportunity to make that decision to sell or not to sell. It'll be interesting to see where they go from there. Time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have Silicon Valley embracing eye scanning technologies because we just don't have enough computers taking over our lives yet. Now, this is something straight out of Star Wars or Star Trek in terms of the creepiness. It looks like it's a creepy silver orb. Oh, I, they're gonna market this, I'm sure, so it looks more eloquent, but to me, it reminds me of the Terminator eye. Or in Star Wars, we have a little eyeball pop out of the wall of Jabba's hut, and it goes, opens up. Equally as creepy, but who knows, maybe people will acquiesce and start to love the Terminator. Now, it looks like the iris scanning ores are part of a project called World Coin. So, that sounds pretty bizarre. What does that have to do with, what does that have to do with the actual tech? Well, it looks like it's all about securing crypto. So, they're attempting to solve what is known as a cryptocurrency circles, known as proof of personhood, quote-unquote. Now, it looks like the Tools for Humanity, which is the company behind WorldCoin, was co-founded by, in 2019 by Sam Altman, who most people probably know just because of ChatGDP. That's what's really got his name out there, and that's perhaps one of the most compelling, most compelling and most interesting technologies you've seen in my lifetime that I think will have a profound effect on darn near every industry, especially once they start to put ChatGDP into Terminators. Time shall tell us how that turns out. Now, it looks like the Tools for Humanity provides only a little bit of information about itself, but they say their goal is to ensure a quote, or sorry, quote, ensure a more just economic system, unquote. And it's really just trying to see what's the most secure way we can ensure you are the person making the transaction. So they want to use it, instead of having you type in a password, they want to scan your retinas, which would be more, it'd be a new technology for the public, for like mass adoption, but you've also had that technology in enterprise um, enterprise for quite some time, enterprise being a business environments. So for example, I, I own a technology company and sometimes we work with data centers where glorified warehouses with heating, cooling, you know, protected, and that's where you put your servers. So you have racks upon racks upon rack mount servers, storage networking, and sometimes you get into those buildings, they do have retina scanners. So the technology has been around there for a while. They'll be interested to, they'll be interested to see 
how many years it takes to get that price point low enough where they can either have it at your home or conceivably maybe at a crypto ATM. But that's one of those interesting things. Like most technologies, the very first one is prohibitively expensive for the mass. Kind of like F1 technologies, that automotive technology evolutions in F1 are usually more expensive than a house, but over time it trickles down to consumer technologies. That being one of their marketing shticks or one of the reasons why they're passionate about the, the sport as well as just the sport in and of itself. So it'd be interesting to see, will the price point get low enough? And then do people do people really want that? I, I started to question that more and more with um, the vast amount of technologies that keep coming out every year. It's like, yes, but who's asking for it? Though you could also argue from a business perspective, Henry Ford once wisely or wisely and prolifically said, Henry Ford being you know the creator of Ford Motor Company, he said, if I would if I, if I were to listen to the consumer, I would have invented a faster horse and buggy. Because that's what everyone was demanding at the time. No one was asking for a car. The only cars really available at the time were Mercedes, which were more unreliable than you can possibly imagine. There wasn't really an assembly line at Mercedes, it was hand building, one-offs. So they weren't inherently as reliable. And then Ford came along with the assembly line, revolutionized the industry, had a bulletproof reliable vehicle. Times have certainly changed in some regards. Now, going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Lizzo dropped from the Super Bowl. An earthquake alert is in effect. Be careful. There might be seismic tremors depending on where you are on the globe. I'm only 85% kidding. Now, this is due to the myriad of allegations that have come against the fat activist or factivist. She is a self-proclaimed fat activist and alleged musician. I've only heard 18 seconds of her music, but it's enough for my ears to just, it, it was almost like as if they were permanently damaged. It was as if it, the opposite of Vivaldi or Bach or Beethoven. It was, uh, yes. And then the visuals, the visuals, dear God. Um, unfortunately, I did see the music video, alleged music video. I don't know if there's much music in it, or if you consider it music. But, yes, yeah, she um, wears barely any clothes, and I, I thought she was having a seizure. I, I was about to dial 911 to give her medical attention or to you know, have an ambulance go, but that is, in fact, what the youth called twerking. And, uh, yes, it is quite not the sight to be seen. Now, ironically enough, she's being sued for creating a hostile work environment and fat-shaming her dancers. So she is proudly obese um, and she actually is shaming her backup dancers that they're getting too big. Now, perhaps it is for public safety because if they're all to keep getting bigger, 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 they're all dancing at once, that could surely cause more seismic activity and could be detrimental to a concert or the AV guys who have to set up the actual stage. Stages are only rated for so much weight. So perhaps it was out of her kindness of her heart her clogged artery filled heart that she was trying to save everyone from that event because they could collapse the stage. That is perhaps, I'm not saying it's not that. I'm just saying what most people are thinking or most of the speculation is that she's doing it because she was cruel or heartless. So she allegedly was shaming the backup dancers for being overweight. She also was sexually harass harassing them, taking them to strip clubs in the red light district of Amsterdam and even pressuring them to her backup dancers to put their hand on the dancers as well as consume bananas that come out of the dancers from their private places. And I shall not elaborate any more. So because of all these allegations, and again, we'll see when it goes to court, we'll see if they have the hard evidence. I don't know if there's video recordings or anything like that. But right now, all the allegations, and of course, there's no, is, uh, it'll be interesting to see if anyone gets upset about this because these are the rules. You are convicted guilty day one. 
the United States these days. I don't agree with that, but them's the rules right now. So I'll be interested to see how many people come out to defend her, but it looks like what would be the biggest soccer, oh, Americans call it football, the biggest football event in the whole year with the biggest performer physically, it looks like she will no longer be able to attend as of now. So we'll be interested to see. Let me know in the comments. Do you think she's guilty or do you think she's innocent? We shall see. Other interesting culture news, you have McDonald's slowly and silently removing ESG from its website. Now, this is fascinating because for the past several years, we've seen pretty much every Fortune 500, Fortune 100 put ESG information on their websites. It's part of their public statements, part of their fiscal statements that they have. They put them on their 10Ks, they put them on their quarterly reviews or uh, quarterly statements for the investors. So not only was it, it was something that's thrust upon them and forced upon them, but some of them are actually using it as a marketing vessel to attract new investors. And there are some companies that invest solely on their ESG score. So for a while, from a business perspective, they thought it was a positive thing and it actually helped them get better loans, more investors went to them. There are a couple of compelling business reasons they were doing this and marketing. However, times seem to be changing and times are shifting. It'd be interesting to see if it's a long-term or short-term cultural effect. Now it looks like the fast food chain had a new website page called Purpose and Impact. So that's a little part of their website. And they removed several mentions of ESG. And this is according to the analysis by Bloomberg News. They actually had one page that used to be titled ESG Approach and Progress. Now it's relabeled, quote, our approach and progress, unquote. And you see this on a couple other parts of your websites, or you used to be able to see some of these on their websites. Another page that was previously titled Performance and ESG Reporting now shows up as goal performance and reporting. Now, perhaps they're finally starting to learn that fiscally it's pretty prudent to actually hit your business goals, not just talk about social initiatives. And I think you're, just, you're seeing more of a cultural backlash against these companies. And it's all thanks to, frankly, Dylan Mulvaney and Bud Light. Before that, there really weren't any major boycotts against big brands or big companies from the middle or the conservative or right side of the political aisle as that subsequently became a political issue for many people. For years, conservatives just kind of were by their nature conservative. They didn't speak up, but they didn't do much. And more importantly, fiscally speaking, they didn't change their shopping habits, which again, if you want to affect change on a business level, vote with your dollar fiscally. That is how you can change how a business acts. Go buy something else, which Yangling, the beer company, their sales are up 22% week over week on average, that's astronomically good because they specifically chose not to get involved in politics. Whereas Bud Light, they made their brilliant decision and the CEO, well, he's still highly paid and he's, I suppose he's happy. But I think we're gonna see more and more of these companies start to move away from at least publicly bragging about and posting these ESG scores and messages. As we're seeing more of a cultural shift where people are starting to vote more with their dollar and move away from those companies. How many companies will actually shift and how many will really change their behavior? That's what I'm even more interested in. We'll see how that turns out as businesses are pretty fluid and times change pretty quick. Culturally speaking though, it is fascinating to see more and more. Other interesting cultural news, you have Skittles introducing a packing wrapper to support BLM trans. Now, perhaps on the opposite side of the political hour, the cultural hour with the ESG scores, yeah, some companies are, seem to be leaning into it. Well, interestingly enough, they're not publicly straight traded. So perhaps the only thing they need in terms of ESG score is more 
credit from the banks. I mean, Skittles, they're a subsidiary or they're, they're a brand owned by Mars Inc. Now, Mars Inc. is one of the oldest, most successful chocolate companies on the planet. They were established back in 1911. Now, I know public test scores at all-time low for math, history, science, pretty much everything in America, but we need to pay teachers more, is what I'm told. But we'll do a little math here today. Founded in 1911? That's 112 years ago, about. And it's actually founded over by Franklin Clarence Mars. Makes sense. Mars, Inc. And still headquartered in Virginia. And it's a still family-owned business to this day with about 130,000 employees. And as of 2022, their yearly revenue was $45 billion, which that's a lot of sugar, a lot of chocolate. For something I can't imagine buying more than once a year for Halloween for trick-or-treaters, I guess. I'm one of those things where I'm astonished how many Americans just love sweets to no end. But I digress. In terms of the specific marketing campaign and advertising, instead of having the traditional skills bag, which, you know, think back in the day, it was a nice bright red packaging, which from a marketing perspective was pretty, pretty good because it got your attention. Red is one of the first colors you see. Look at this color spectrum. That's right. There's speculation on the origin of why fire trucks were originally painted red and only they were allowed to be red vehicles back in the day in the United States. Is because you could see it first. Now they changed the packaging so it's white, which kind of ironic. I'm surprised some people aren't calling it racist for that in and of itself. But this new packaging, again, it's a white Skittles bag and it actually features a drag queen and a trans rainbow. And again, this is targeted towards kids. Adults eat, don't eat candy. I, I can't, maybe if you're training for an Ironman or if you're really work, if you're working out and you want some extra sugar or something, but adults really don't buy candy. There's no reason to, it's a kid thing, but I digress for this packaging. It's white. It has the drag queen and a trans rainbow. So it's pretty political. It's of course it's not the American flag. The company, companies don't do that anymore. And on the packaging it also has like a little skate park and it has a little graffiti that say black trans lives matter, which ironically enough is if you look at the demographics of the trans community and who's transitioning it's I don't think it's pretty big in the African-American community. As far as I can tell, pretty evident by, well, I would say anecdotally the things you see on the TikTok and the YouTube and all that, but there's also more graffiti on there, which I was going to say that's insult to energy in and of itself. Graffiti. Why, why are you glorifying kids going out and doing graffiti? If anything, they should have kids, with a paintbrush, you know, covering up the graffiti. But I know family values and doing good things are unfortunately a lost, a lo an art of a lost time for many, unfortunately. But they also had graffiti that said, Joy Resist, which, yeah, I don't get that any, I don't, I don't understand that either. Joy, so you receive joy from resisting. Resisting what? Resisting old cultural norms? Resisting I, I can't fathom what they mean by joy resist. I need to surely check out the Urban Dictionary more often, of course. But why are they making children's candy with these types of wrappers? Will this increase sales? Let me know in the comments. Will this increase sales by one package of candy? Perhaps in San Francisco, although you could also argue that because theft is at an all-time high because they don't prosecute crime or theft anymore under $950, basically. The DAs don't prosecute anything, which is why just Google San Francisco crime will get more videos than you possibly count. So they would sell there, but no one pays for things. No, no one is paying for things in San Francisco anymore. So 
I can't fathom how much it's going to increase their sales. The trans community is growing by number of unit or number of uh, units and number of people. So the demographic is growing, but is that growth rate accelerating enough to gather enough sales to overcome the amount of people that you've ostracized and you've outcast with this? Because again, I've known people in the middle and as this has become a political issue or political debate, you, it's kind of broken down to left and right to some extent. I see a lot of people in the middle who are also wondering why this is being targeted to my, why are you targeting my kids? Why, why do they need to see this? Kids five, what the hell does he need to know about these adult themes for? The, 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 I can't fathom a legitimate reason, but I can't help but think they're gonna alienate a large portion of all their clients. And will there be a boycott against this? I, I can't, I mean, it's a pretty darn easy thing not to buy, especially if you're an adult. I can only see the issue of if you're a parent and you're shopping for groceries and little Timmy wants the candy bar, you might have to tell him twice, put it down, you don't need that. And you have to recite him the book of, you know, here's what you need, here's what you want. And you maybe will sing an old Disney song before Disney shot themselves in the foot precipitously, losing billions of dollars on movies. Back, back when they made good movies, you make you sing, sing that song, The Bare Necessities, in which you eloquently explain, yeah, pretty much everything you see in the store, you do not need Timmy or Billy, whatever kids' names are these days. You really don't need any of that stuff. That's a want. It's a treat. Well, you used to be a treat. You buy it rarely. That's what is the definition of a treat. If you have skills every day, it's not a treat. You also die because of diabetes, presumably, but it also defeats the purpose of what is a treat. So this is something I think will be pretty easy to boycott if there is a boycott. But yeah, because you really don't need compressed sugar pellets. Unless you're a gerbil, maybe? Or who else? Or who eats this? I can't fathom why you need to buy this product. So I would think the boycott would be pretty easy, but socially thinking, socially or culturally thinking, I don't think there's going to be a big boycott because they didn't put a person behind it. And I think that was probably the big difference between the Bud Light boycott, like gaining a lot of traction, is they had a physical person behind the campaign. And again, Bud Light says there was no campaign. However, Dylan has said in video there was a campaign. But Bud Light swears it's just one can, one bottle. But I digress. And again, Dylan's average age, the person who's on TikTok, the largest age demographic on TikTok, is a child. It's under 19 years old. Which, again, cannot buy beer in the United States. In France? Probably. Yeah, that's what they do. But this is America. We have to work more than two hours a day. So, presumably, we can't have drunken children in the United States. Again, on top of being more moral. But that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents, but 40-year hyperinflation? Should charge four cents, but just gonna get three cents today. But it is free to click that subscribe button, trying to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of the month. Greatly appreciate that, as well as your feedback in the comment section. Now, other interesting culture news, you have Mark Zuckerberg walking away from the Elon fight. Now, this is something where we were reporting on this a couple days later, partially because Zuckerberg actually announced this on threads and no one's on threads. They've lost 82% of their active user base since they launched, which is hilarious because every mainstream media told us it was going to be more successful than Twitter. It was going to eat their lunch and be the best thing since sliced bread. Although most people are cutting out carbs because they're kind of a useless thing to eat. So, eh, maybe perhaps more, instead of the best thing since sliced bread, maybe the best thing since a new protein shake. Something to that effect. Now, Mark Zuckerberg actually said, and he says, quote, I think we can all agree Elon isn't serious and it's time to move on. I offered a real, I've, I offered a real date 
Dana White offered a legit co competition for charity. Elon won't confirm a date and says he needs surgery. And now he asked to do a practice round in my backyard instead, unquote. So it is interesting. I, in terms of who's going to win, I've talked to a couple of my friends who do jujitsu and martial arts and pretty much all their money is on Mark Zuckerberg. Not just because he's younger, but he's actually perfect, professionally competed. And I believe he's up to a blue belt now. So he has a fair amount of martial arts experience and Elon does have some of the best folks training him, but there is something where years of experience and competitions, that's pretty darn invaluable experience, especially for this. So a lot of people speculate maybe, you know, maybe Elon is just, you know, pausing or maybe he's trying to stall either to gain more time to train, which out you need a time machine to get that many years. Cause again, Mark isn't stopping training. He's continuing to tra train. And now there's, there's a lot of speculation it's not going to happen. This kind of confirms it. Zuckerberg is saying, no, you, I mean, I offered you legitimate dates. You're not taking me up on this. You're just stalling. So unless Elon specifically and articulately comes back with a specific date, like within the next, he says like, hey, this date, you know, 25 days from now and locks it in, then might happen. But I, in terms of my thoughts, I don't think this is going to actually going to happen just because, again, he stalled it so many times on Elon's side. It, yeah, as Magic 8 Ball would say, that look is not so good. Other interesting culture news, you have Disney Plus examining password cracking, or crackdown rather, in order to boost profits on top of their price hikes. Now, this comes as the company is losing billions of dollars on movies lately. So I believe that last estimate is $1.1 billion lost. Because again, they keep making the same mediocre movies where instead of having an original idea or having... I maybe they maybe they got rid of the writers years ago because it seems like every movie Disney makes is just copy paste, copy paste, copy paste. Which fun little experiment with a photocopier. Every time you make a copy of a copy, the issue, the image actually degrades over time. A perfect metaphor for Walt Disney's current state of affairs. Now, interestingly enough, this might actually work for the company because you had Netflix. They successfully implemented a tool to stop password sharing, and they even set up a tiered system, which I. Admittedly, I thought that would fail. Their tiered system is one in which you have a main home account, and if you have a family member or a friend outside of the house, they could actually have like a junior account where they pay a discounted rate to be on that family plan still. As opposed to the past where they were designing a plan for free. So again, that blew my mind. I thought the people who were getting it for free, they would never pay for Netflix because they were getting it for free. And a majority of the time in business, once you get something for free, they're never willing to pay for it. It's one of those phenomenons where that's why I always tell people free net usually never works because you're devaluing the product or the service and then they'll expect to be free the next time. So it's one of those instances where they blew off all the expectations out of the water and Netflix actually gained 5.9 million additional subscribers over that period of a couple of months that they've implemented the password cracking, which was a higher growth rate than the traditional growth rate of month over month. Over month. So it actually had a profoundly positive impact on the company. Now, in terms of Disney's you know, official word, you have the CEO, Bob Iger. He said, quote, we are actively exploring ways to address account sharing and the best options for paying subscribers to share their accounts with friends and family, unquote. Now that was on a quarterly call on August 9th. And he also said, quote, later this year, we'll begin to update our subscriber agreements with some additional terms and sharing policies. And we will roll out these tactics to drive monetization sometime in 2024, unquote. So, it looks like that. Looks like you still have a fair amount of time to, you know, bum on or borrow someone's account. But given how much the company's losing on Disney Plus, 
they need to make any every penny they can, they're going to make it. So it's really not an issue of are they going to do this? It's an issue of when they're going to do this. Because again, they're bleeding money fiscally. And Bob was brought back to the company after he, they kicked out Bob Chapek, the predecessor to Bob Iger, because the company's bleeding money and he's trying to turn that ship around. He's laying off 7,000 employees. A lot of people expect, are, not, are expecting that's not enough because they have so many to begin with. And again, uh, pretty much every part of the business is losing money. The only silver lining was, it looked like last uh, quarterly statements, they said the foreign uh, foreign market Disney amusement parks were more profitable than anything else, or than the other segments to help offset the losses. But still, their outlook is, as Max Aikman would say, you know, it, it's not so good. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Senator Dianne Feinstein. Her daughter now has power attorney over her, which just goes to show you how old and decrepit some of these politicians are, as well as morally vacuous as well. But physically speaking, they're just getting worse and worse. Now, currently, Diane, Senator Dianne Feinstein for California, so she doesn't have she doesn't have authority over her legal or financial affairs. But this sixth-term sixth term senator, she, she doesn't know where she is or what she votes for, but she can make decisions that affect hundreds of millions of Americans? Does that make any sense? I mean, she's 90 and still going. I mean, I was going to say, she used to be as... She looked as wise as she... she what was a wise old saying? She is as wise as she is beautiful? That's only gotten more true over time. She now... Looks like the crypt keeper. And perhaps it's because her morals are so viscerally disgusting, her body's catching up with them. But she is one of the most morally vacuous people on society. She's one of those people where she claimed and promised she could stop all gun deaths with a piece of paper or bill that she had, which the same laws have been tried before, had zero impact on mass shootings or any, or as well as digital crime. And she always waits till there's a tragedy. And then she goes, she just, so she literally dusts off a proposal, she goes, oh, now this is ready. Some might call that terrorism or just disgustingly opportunistic. And she's by no means the only one who does that. But she also doesn't, her brain, it's even worse than before. A couple weeks ago, she actually took three months, not vacation, she was on medical leave. So she got back to Congress. And when she was leaving, a reporter said, hey, you know, how are you feeling? You've been out for a couple of months. Did you recover? She didn't remember. She was gone. They literally said, you know, how are you? And she, she told the reporter, I wasn't gone. What? How, how do you not remember three months? That's astonishing. And then even worse, someone asked her about a bill she just voted on. And she told the reporter, I didn't vote on that. What are you talking about? Now, this... Actually, it should not be surprising because you're seeing the same thing with John Fetterman. He was a senator, for, I believe, from Pennsylvania where he had a brain stroke. He can hardly communicate, but he still chose, or rather his family chose, to push him further into politics. And he's just a rubber stamp for the Democrat Party. That seems to be all they want these days. They don't want to actually have cohesive decision-making skills or any cognitive abilities at all. Just rubber stamp for your political party. Even when, Di again, Diane Feinstein is 90 years old. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories because Nancy Pelosi's daughter is actually pushing Feinstein around in a wheelchair because Feinstein's health has degraded that much. 
And it's also interesting to note that she's worth an estimated between 200 and 400 million dollars. Astonishing. And yet, people will still vote for her. And there's a lot of contention and a lot of discussions who's going to replace her. But right now, she is the perfect candidate for their side because they get everything they want. They get their rubber stamp. No fight backs. In fact, in fact she, might be even, she might be in pinnacle shape to be a politician because she will not question anything they do. She'll just toe the party line. Stamp, stamp, stamp. Not even raise a, a modicum of effort or question anything. Perhaps she has now become the perfect politician. It'll be interesting to see do people do people actually vote differently in California? I, 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 I she's sixth term, sixth term senator. I, I doubt it. Other interesting political news: You have Texas Governor Greg, Greg Abbott signing the quote "Save Women's Sports Act" unquote. Now he signed this bill into law back on August seventh, signing the Texas Women's Hall in the Texas Women's Hall of Fame at Texas Women's University. You also had NCAA swimmers and spokesperson Riley Gaines and Paula Scannon at the Texas College uh, basketball player Christy Comer. They were all among present as well. Not Riley Gaines famously competed against the man who dressed up in a female's uniform at the NCAA tournaments over at Penn State. I believe his name was Leah Thomas, who, again, didn't have surgery, but has fully intact from a biological perspective in the girls' locker room, changing in front of them and beating pretty much every score on a collegiate level because, again, he was the 400th or 500th best in the men's class, went to the women's class, and became number one. For some... Uh, uh, so astonishing, really. Who could have guessed that would happen? Oh, wait. Literally anyone with a modicum of in intellect. Now, it looks like this specific bill, the, quote, Save Women's Sports Bill, has the athletes compete on the teams on the basis of their, quote, biological sex, unquote, or the, or the sex that was correctly stated on their birth certificates. Thus preserving women's athletics, and they will also be able to get scholarships that they are entitled to because it's, it's an even playing field. Now, it's fascinating to see, actually, this one actually re uh, read the full, or an excerpt of the report over at CNBC, as well as CNN, then you look at Fox News. It's fascinating to see it's the same bill, but it's framed differently everywhere you look, which I do encourage you to take a look at many different perspectives because it gives you a little bit of insight into what they're thinking. And of course, you can also have a more rounded out opinion. But it's fascinating to see some of this calling, some of them are just critiquing him and venomously attacking Greg Abbott, saying he's, he's stealing away their opportunities from these trans athletes. Oh, no, quite, quite the opposite. The antithesis of that is happening. He's preserving the opportunities of these biological women who again, some of, them are just, some of them are depending on these scholarships to win and go and really make a dent in the universe with their skills that they've spent a whole life sharpening. At the end of the day, politically speaking, this is a brilliant move on the political chessboard because he's going to reinvigorate his base. He'll probably also gain some voters who are in the middle, people in the middle who are wondering why, why is this boy competing with girls and beating every single score? What if my daughter's competing against that person? They, they don't stand a chance in hell. How's that fair? So, politically speaking, I think he'll probably get a couple more votes um, with this bill, as well as ensure that his current voter base stays happy as well as this has be somehow become a political issue where you have left versus right and very contentious. And we'll see where it goes from here in terms of collegiate athletes as well as professional athletes. Will their 
politically speaking, I think it would probably people might come together. No, actually, there would be no compromise because to admit that they're different would be the antithesis of what the people on the left are thinking. Their whole argument is that everyone exact is exactly the same. So I suppose politically speaking, politically speaking, people on the right will propose, well, we're going to have a new category with trans athletics, where if you are trans, you could compete with the folks who are like you. So you'll have a men's, women's, and trans divisions, thus making a more even playing field. However, I don't think it'd be, at the end of the day, politically speaking, even if well, you see this in politics a lot, even, even if behind closed doors they agree, their constituents might not agree with that, and of course, they're you know they're behest to their voters. So I don't think it'll happen. Let me know in the comments. Do you think that will be the final outcome? Is creating that third category, or will there just be more and more pushback between the two? It'll be interesting to see. Time shall tell. Now, going over to the business blunder of the day, we have recalls for pressure cookers. Now, specifically, these are recalls for the manufacturers by the name of Bella Pro, Bella with their Bella Pro series, Crux and Cooks electric pressure cookers, as well as Bella Stove Top pressure cookers. Now, these units were sold at Target, Macy's, and J.C. Penney's and Lowe's. So, thankfully, it only affect 18 people who actually bought them. But in all realistic, they actually did sell some on Amazon as well. So, a fair amount of people did actually purchase it. And it looks like it's being recalled due to a potential burn hazard. So that's that's not too good. Now, officials say that the lids on the pressure cookers can unlock and move while in use, which under certain conditions could cause contents to, quote, unexpectedly splash out and potentially burn the user, unquote. So that's that's not too good. Yeah, the lid has one job. Well, we had one job lid to stay on that apparatus and they couldn't do it. Which is pretty pathetic if you can't do the one thing you're designed to do. It, it's amazing. I swear some of these companies don't even have a research and development department or more accurately a quality control department where they actually have humans use the products and see how it really works in the real world. And perhaps it won't have too much of an impact on their business. I've never heard of these brands before. Granted, I don't buy kitchen appliances. But it'll be interesting to see. They don't seem like premium brands, so maybe people will be they'll accept it. They won't be too big of a deal. But to have such a bit, such a recall that is a safety issue, that's, that's got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in. Again, we're trying to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of August, so you can click that button and greatly appreciate it. Also, don't forget to take the time to like and comment. The feedback is greatly appreciated. It's how we make the show better and better. And lastly, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.